We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. ready for rapid fire let me grab the oxygen tank and then i think i'm ready for <laughs> all right for rapid fire. so mitchell evans now leads the irish with 18 catches and 272 receiving yards do you buy or sell him leading the team in both categories at the end of the season um i am going to sell that at this point in the season we're at the halfway point um you know it's we've talked about this before I just think with, with some of the wide receivers being, you know, banged up recently and Mitchell Evans getting more of like a ideal kind of matchup, I would say that he's just been kind of the guy recently, but again, Sam Hartman's not going to lock in to anyone. He's not just going to throw the ball to throw the ball. And I just, that's going to be the trend the rest of the season. I just think there's going to be a lot of guys hovering around the same amount of catches and the same amount of total yards. And so I just don't, I don't think I have enough certainty to say, that this guy or that guy is going to be the leading receiver in terms of receptions or yards. It just varies game by game. And then at the end of the year, I think a lot of those numbers are going to be very similar to each other. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I guess it's been three weeks or so ago, maybe four at this point, going on a month ago when they played North Carolina State, Holden Stays had the massive game. And all anyone wanted to talk about with Notre Dame's tight ends was Holden Stays. He had over 100 yards, remember, in that game against the Wolfpack. And now... Mitchell Evans puts together back-to-back games where he has big numbers. And, of course, this one being the exclamation point. And important to remember, obviously, that Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse, who are Notre Dame's top two receivers going into last week's game against Duke, were both out for that game. So I I, I think you're right. I, I, it's just going to keep getting spread around. It's, it's going to be relatively even. This thing... There's, there's going to be a cycle, I think, where Holden Stays kind of comes back, and we'll see more Holden Stays as well. So I, I would sell this. I, I cannot say with complete certainty. You know, maybe he ends up leading the team in one of those two categories just based on what he's doing right now. But, I mean, the ball's going to get distributed. Sam Hartman's going to to throw that thing around. And I think, I think Sam kind of – is probably going to get, you know, a little bit deeper in the film room these next couple of weeks and and kind of look at some things that he's not seeing maybe, and you know, because there were some other wide open 
opportunities that he had where he just, I don't think, saw a receiver that was wide open. And that potentially, you know, it's 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 not all going to go to uh, to Mitchell Evans or to anyone else for that matter. I think it's going to I think it's going to be distributed around. I want to oh, go ahead very quickly. <laughs> Uh, if you could highlight the Anthony Solomon uh, chat about Samazon pace for 2,900 yards and 28 touchdowns, we're at the midway point of the season. And I don't know if you remember, but those numbers are like, like extremely accurate to what the preseason numbers were. I'm pretty sure the preseason numbers were like 2,800. And I want to say the over under was like 26 and a half touchdowns. 26 and a half. Yeah. And so like he is that <laughs> I felt good about the passing touchdowns until last game because he had zero passing touchdowns. So he kind of maybe fell behind schedule a tad bit, but I guess I'm saying like, it's just, it's crazy how accurate those preseason. I know there's still six games left, but those numbers are like pretty much half of like at, at the halfway point of the season, he's on pace for, you know, what, what the preseason kind of values were looking like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also important to remember that the pace only slowed down because of the fact that he played the two best defenses on the schedule these last two weeks. Yes. Like he was he was well ahead of this. And I think based on the defenses he's going to, you know, see the rest of the season, I think he's going to end up with with well over 30 touchdowns. I think we're going to be looking at 30 and 3000. Yeah. I think he's gonna. I think he's going to exceed both of those. Especially that parts. USC game, if it turns into what we think it might. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, like, you know, we had the not argument, but we had the discussion on IB <laughs> Countdown last week about what Colorado was going to be able to score against USC, and and uh, Vince was uh, Vince was pretty skeptical that Colorado was going to be able to score because he's like, well, they looked inept against Oregon. Well, Oregon's got a legit defense. USC does not, and look at what. Colorado ended up putting against USC. I mean, Colorado's got a good offense, but I think Notre Dame's is a lot more consistent than what we've seen from Colorado so far. So I think I think I think you're going to see a lot of points in that game. And Notre Dame is going to have the best defense on the field in that game as well. But we're talking about Sam Hartman. And I think yeah, I think is I think he's going to be over both three thousand and thirty touchdowns when it's all said and done. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Fox's Joel Klatt says Notre Dame's win over Duke was all guts. Uh, I think that Joel Klatt's comments um, was like hitting the hammer on the nail. Like they, they, they were spot on to me because there was a lot of sloppy play. And, you know, again, I'm not I, I know it's kind of Tuesday and, you know, people have probably heard a lot of things about different opinions and, you know, outlook on how the game went. You know, the offense struggled point blank. They had a, a lot of guys, like you said, they had their top two wide receivers out. They were obviously coming off the big game against Ohio State. They underperformed in a lot of ways. But that last drive was all guts and who wanted it more, essentially. Who who was going to step up in the moment? And so I agree with Joel Clapp because, again, I think, I think everything leading up to that point was relatively sloppy. And it, it, you just kind of had to throw all of that out the window look at it as a tie game with two minutes left and what are we going to do to go down the field and score? And to me, that's all guts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The month of October is going to be jam-packed with huge games for Notre Dame. And ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out Game Time. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville, or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Just look at 4th and 16. If you want to look at 4th and 16 as a microcosm of that whole thing, like we were talking about earlier, who runs for it on 4th and 16? With with the game on the line, and as Herb Street said during the broadcast, with maybe your whole season on the line, who runs for it? The quarterback, the guy with the most guts, and and he did. And then, you know, another guy with some big guts, Ostame, Estime, took it in after that for the touchdown. And, and one of the points that Clatt was making – in his podcast when he was talking about this is your back-to-back games with with in two physical games with Ohio State and Duke and you're at the tail end of that when everyone's gassed out there when it's, it's either like the final up. round of a boxing match yeah that's exactly right it is a heavyweight fight and who's who's got the last punch in them and that's what it came down to and the guys and I, I don't want to say the guys who wanted it more Duke wanted it as well but the guys who could step up and were willing to make plays stepped up and make plays and that I mean again the epitome of that drive was that last play where you see Zeke Corral take the deep breath on 4th yeah. and 16 and then just absolutely part stone, of that video. just stonewall that defensive tackle um that's you know trying to create pressure it's 
I don't, I just, it's so hard. Like my, my favorite coach that I had in terms of football was my freshman year of college. And it was unfortunate because after that he ended up leaving and we, we transitioned to a new head coach, but he always made the analogy about how football was just so similar to boxing. And he would always study boxing fights and watch a lot of boxing matches. Cause it, it shows a lot about character and it shows a lot about guts and resiliency and that's that's what Notre Dame was like. It, it they both teams were ta- like these last two games, eight quarters. Notre Dame was taking body blows and then sending body blows and then taking body blows and sending body blows, and so like they were just ultimately fatigued and gassed and you know it, it almost counted out. And so at that point, I think that shows the most about you know what your how gutsy are you? What is your true character? And, and it, it really it, it showed me a lot about this team. And going forward, like it, it, they they have a lot of fight to them. They have a lot of you know character to them, and I think that's going to be very beneficial down the road for maybe some bigger games to come uh, in the season. PTS Notre Dame disorder says we won out of luck. They shouldn't have rushed three. If they don't, they win. That may be true, but look at all the things we were pointing out about Notre Dame strategy against Ohio State. It's really just a complete inverse like a a mirror the games were almost one in the same way and we were talking about those those graphs jesse that you sent with you know like the (laughs) like all the teams on the line and who's above the line and who's below the line notre dame was almost in the exact same spot ohio state was in a week (laughs) earlier the win probability was completely in notre dame's favor at the end of the ohio state game but ohio state ends up winning you know, maybe out of luck if Notre Dame doesn't. Well, I, you know, I said Notre it Dame earlier. Has all 11 on the field. But my point is, maybe you can say luck came into it, but their 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 mental state of mind and their fortitude also played a lot into it because because of the experience that they had a week earlier that that gave them some of the resolve, I think, at the end of that game. Listen, I don't feel bad about how Notre Dame won against Duke just solely off the fact of how they lost against Ohio state. You know, you could almost say that the games were like carbon copy, you know, mere copies of each other, except, you know, Notre Dame was Ohio state in the Duke game, right? Like Notre Dame got outplayed, I think in in most regards, but they found a way to win at the end. And and that's what happened in the Ohio state game. And so for a lot of people who felt like Notre Dame got cheated out of a win against Ohio state, well, I'm sure there's a ton of people who feel like Duke got cheated out of a win against Notre Dame. So those games kind of replaced each other for me. They were almost like a, a flip-flop. D-Rock said, what was the actual fourth and 16 call? We may never know. I mean, it was a pass play. We know it was a pass play. He dropped back to pass, <laughs> and, you know, he wasn't able to, to find – you know, Rico Flores, as Vince and I were talking about, was open for a little bit. And if – like – that was still not going to be an easy throw because from where Hartman was, he's back near midfield and Flores is across the 30 yard line sitting there. And so on a diagonal, you're talking about probably roughly 40 yards or so in the air to make that, that throw. It was not going to be an easy throw. And, but uh, I mean, it was obviously a pass play Uh, again, PTS Notre Dame disorder says that performance won't beat USC. Agreed. He said, I'll take the win, but incremental improvement is more important. And you're right. Well, that, I think but just let me finish here first. That 
performance won't be USC, but again, USC is not going to have that level of defense. Like you still have to give some credit to the guys on the other side of the ball for forcing Man. you into some of Great. the mistakes that you make. Elko's defense is, is unbelievable. And yeah. just the way that they were able to play and you highlighted, like this is going to be probably the two toughest defense that, the, that, that they have to play um, back to back. And, and to me, while Notre Dame, like we can be disappointed with X's and O's and execution and, you know, not scoring enough points and et cetera and et cetera. I think they took a, a they gained a step or, or grew in terms of what we've been talking about in the past. Can they finish teams? Can they, you know, when things aren't going right, can they make a way to, mm-hmm. to make it work? You know, that was Marshall and Stanford last year. They played like crap, had opportunities at the end to get it done and they simply did it. And I think that's the bigger picture growth that you have to look at in terms of this game is, you're not going to grow in every aspect of the game, every game, but you're going you're gonna to have to take it where you made the biggest strides. And I think they made the biggest strides and learning how to actually finish a game and coming back. Um, and also, you know, again, just finding, digging down and finding that kind of next level, essentially. I just think that they tapped into something that they haven't tapped into before. Yep. All right, so... ABC went to the Riley Leonard's mom in the crowd shots at the end of the first half quite a bit during their broadcast the other night. I don't think you and I talked about this last week. I think this was a Vince and I topic. What did you think about the mom crowd shots during the game? I just, it's, it's, it's too much. It's overplayed because, especially because, you know, there was a huge segment about it in game day and, you know, all leading up to it about how his mom texts him all the time that he sucks and this and that. And, you know, it's once the game starts, I really don't care about it anymore. It just and, and the thing is, too, is, you know, those parents don't want to, you know, they're, they're going through the emotions of the games themselves. Right. Like they don't need the camera on them at all times. So. It's just too drawn out and too much for me at the end of the day, especially because they I mean, spent so much time before the game focusing on Riley Leonard's relationship with his mom. I just hate it. I, I think it's I think it's lazy attempt at creating drama. You know, it's like, oh, Riley Leonard's playing. And, and obviously I tweeted about this for those who saw it you know, during the game. Riley, you know, Riley Leonard's playing. Oh, now his mom is nervous as she's standing there in the stands and Obviously, if he does something well, he's going to be excited. It's like, how much How much do we need this? How much do we – how many other guys had parents in the stands? There were a lot of them, I imagine, right? But you didn't see any of them. But for whatever reason, they decide they, they need that, that linger. So I just – it's too much. It's too much for me, especially when they get hung up on it. You know, like every play, it's like, okay – Here's the play. Now we're cutting back to mom and whatever she's doing, chewing her fingernails or texting or whatever it happens to be. It's just, it's, it's too much. And I, I give like, you don't see it in NFL games for the most part. There were some in the preseason games, like Aiden Hutchinson's family. And it was like his mom, you know, what, what just happened? Are you watching the game? Or are you, you know, what are you actually doing in the stands? Um, you know, I guess that leads to the other question though. Would you rather see that? Or Taylor Swift reacting to everything the Chiefs do during the game? Um, <laughs> I, I would – I wish I could say neither. <laughs> but – I will say this. I guess I'm, I, I would go with the Taylor Swift one. 
NBC does a good job during Notre Dame games of not doing this cliche garbage that we're talking about with like the constant cutting to the parents. They have never, you know, kind of, I'm not saying they've never shown a parent, but they've, they've never relied on that to create drama during the, and like the whole Taylor Swift, it's like, okay, Isaiah Pacheco scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, I guess we've got to show Taylor getting happy now because Travis Kelsey's not scoring a touchdown. It's, it's it's definitely overkill. The fact that she was on the the Chiefs charter the other night, um, NBC came fully prepared to play it up. Do you think this whole thing is a publicity stunt? Well, you kind of beat me to my hot take here. Uh, I have a conspiracy theory that the NFL reached out to these two and said, "We want you guys to uh, you know basically entertain this idea of you guys dating because the NFL is going to gain." millions of new viewers and followers if they know that taylor swift is involved they're tapping into a different demographic that they've never had viewership or an audience from in the past and so if you're bringing on more and more viewers and we know that's what it's all about in terms of viewers and generating money and everything why not ask a guy to you know the most popular one of the most popular nfl players and one of the most popular female artists to have some sort of relationship because you're now gaining a group of people who probably have never watched football before. And that's, that's exactly it. You've, you've, you've got the Swifties who are invading it now. And I don't want to get too hung up on this because we got people like one for the Kipper. Oh, let's not talk about Taylor Swift, but it's like, it's invading your two weeks in a row. It has invaded the broadcast on two different networks. And if it's on a third network here coming up pretty soon, (laughs) They're going to play it up as well. Like, do you remember when Tony Romo was dating Jessica Simpson? Oh, do you remember, yeah. Like that whole Everything thing? was blamed on Jessica Simpson. Bad yeah, game. He must have been right. hanging out with Jessica Simpson. That's good exactly game. Right. Simpson must have given him a good kiss before the game. It's different when you're a tight end, though, I guess, than a quarterback <laughs> dating a pop star. So, I don't know. That was that was something. But they did. You know, they they didn't play it up quite the same. But they, I remember the cutaways to Jessica Simpson as well, doing her cheering and her, you know, stuff, wearing the Tony Romo jersey and and all that. It, it seems, it's definitely, it's definitely much. It's definitely a bit much. But when you've got arguably the most famous person in the world right now at your football games, I think you're going to play it up. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Calabasas, California wide receiver Aaron Butler has decided to shut down his senior season of high school football so that he can focus on graduating early and enrolling at the University of Colorado in December. I think it's absolutely stupid because, um, you know, like I think that everyone should kind of get their full high school experience. And I think college is, you know, is is not always going to be there, but if you're a recruit like this guy, it's always going to be there. Right. And so there's no reason to me to shut down the high school season early where, where it's guaranteed and the memories and your friends and, you know, everything that goes along with it that you're willing to take a gamble on. Like, what if he never like what if he's a complete bust or maybe he gets hurt and he never gets to play again type situation. Right. And so, like, I get it in terms of if he's super talented and wanting to just, you know, get ahead and enroll early. And, you know, because we've seen guys at Notre Dame do that before, but we've never seen guys kind of shut down their high school season early in order, you know, to, to get on campus a little bit quicker, at least at Notre Dame. So I just, I'm not in favor of it. I, I don't, I don't really see the benefit of it, I guess is what I'm saying. 
I'm really kind of amazed that it's taken this long for this trickle down into high school, since you do have early enrollments and, you know, you can graduate early from high school and get into your school at, you know, midterm and, and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm kind of amazed because it obviously started a few years ago with the guys opting out of the bowl games. And it's, it's taken to this point for this to happen. The only, like the other side of it is Eli Raritan. He's going to make his return this week after tearing his ACL twice in less than a year. Now, it was a different sport, but Eli tore his ACL for the first time playing high school basketball. And he retoured, of course, playing football for Notre Dame. So, so it's like, I can kind of understand, like, if you've got this scholarship and you are going to go on to bigger and better things, I can kind of understand it. I do I do agree with what you're saying. You know, like if ever, if all these guys start shutting down their high school seasons, what are you going to have left out there? But the guy, just like these NFL guys is protecting his future as well. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you can do about it. I don't think there's anything you can do. It's just a personal decision. If you're okay, you know, with, uh, with, kind of, I guess, weighing out the pros and cons and then the pros of one side outweigh the pros of the other, then you got a decision. I just, I think if, again, if, the, if it were me and I were in his shoes, I don't think I would be making the same decision. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. PTS says world's most famous people, Deion Sanders, Trump, The Rock. I don't know. Those... All those people that filled those stadiums, like every city she went to, it was like full NFL stadium three nights in a row, man. They were packing that thing is. She's she on did top of the three or right four now. shows in Atlanta. And, and I remember when I was in it, because I was in Atlanta for a wedding and she was getting ready to come through, luckily after we were leaving, and an Uber driver said, no one has ever done that at a concert venue in Atlanta. No one has ever sold it out and done three or four nights in a row. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, She's by any means like I don't have any Taylor Swift, you know, in my in my Apple music or Spotify or, or you know, I don't listen to, to Taylor Swift, but I know who she is. That's for sure. And a lot of other people know who she is. Anthony says Jordan and Tiger, maybe 20 years ago, but not now. Not, uh, Taylor Swift is up there man. Cowboys beat the Patriots 38 to three. Bill Belichick's. Worst loss of his career on Sunday. Scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you the end is near for Belichick? 
Um, so I am near is a relative term. Um, if, if 10 is, you know, he's, he's out the door at the end of the season, I'm going to give this about a four or a five. I think the only thing Bill Belichick is chasing at this point is the, the all-time career wins list. And that's, you know, Don Shula at the top needs 19. Um, yeah, nineteen wins, and so at he's this, 19... at this rate, it's going to take him five years, I think. To well, get yeah, there, and that's though. that's what I'm ultimately <laughs> getting at is I don't think he's going to stop until he gets there, no matter how bad his teams are. And so, if that takes him three years, if that takes him four years, five years, however long that takes, I don't think that you know that that the Cowboys giving him his worst loss has any impact on that or, or gets him closer to the door. I think again, he's very dead set on getting that being the top kind of career wins guy um, when it's all said. And I don't know if you saw this, I saw it in passing maybe a week or two ago that Don Shula made some comments about Bill Belichick as well. And it really rubbed him the wrong way. And so he's even on more of a, a path or to prove a point to get past Shula at the end of the day. I think he's at the point where maybe things are passing him by a little bit he you know he's over and that's that's now. the argument is do you sacrifice this in terms of legacy mm-hmm. and, and not knowing when to quit at the end of the day yeah and are you, are you really willing to have three horrible seasons to end your career just because you're trying to pass someone on the all-time win list and that's it I, I think that like his whole thing the reason he wants to keep going is just spite because of the things that Shula has said about him and and he wants to catch Shula but Again, he is 19 wins away. He's not getting it even in the next two years. It's going to take him at least three, and at the rate that he's going. I mean, look, he got to draft his – he got to draft a quarterback in the first round for a first time, and he took Mac Jones, and look where that's got him. It's not looking too good. right? I think the question is going to be how long is Robert Kraft going to put up with it because there's, you know, there's, there's some tension there. And if Robert Kraft does decide that it's time to to change directions and go someplace else, who's going to give Belichick the chance? And what's that going to turn into ultimately? What's that situation going to look like? So I'm I'm at a seven. I just just because it is it is not looking good right now. Things worked a lot better when he had Tom Brady and he could tie that whole thing together. But that that whole roster is just not in a good place right now. And Defense is supposed to be their thing, and their defense did not look too good the other day as well, and it's not looked that good this season either. Ed3 said, 14-year-old girls will not determine the most popular person in the world. Again, uh, those stadiums aren't just packed with 14-year-old girls. There's a heck of a lot more than 14-year-old girls when you're packing football stadiums three nights in a row in each city. It ain't just 14-year-old girls. You're right. 14-year-old girls won't. There's a lot more people who are paying attention to Taylor Swift than just the I have coworkers that go and that have I know. bought mo- – This girl I work with bought three – she bought tickets to the Chicago show, the Cincinnati show, and the Pittsburgh show. I assume she's older than 14. Yeah, she's 28. <laughs> Sorry, I got caught chomping on my ice. Buck Showalter dismissed by the Mets this week. Mr. Cubs fan, would you want Buck in Chicago on the north side next year? Um, I wouldn't want Buck Showalter. I think the game is ultimately past him. I think the Mets made a bad decision in getting him. He was him. National League Manager of the Year last year. They won over 100 games last year. Yeah, yeah. I'm not buying it. I, I am. 
as much as uh, so the thing is about this conversation it would imply that david ross is going to get let go and that's that's just not going to happen and so i i just think that you know implying him to be a cubs coach you know i i just i don't know i i i've i've not thought about the cubs um <laughs> since am i reigniting something here yeah ever since they got swept by the bra- the braves i've really just kind of put put the season on the back burners I, i've been slowly separating myself um from the cubs listen on september 7th they had a 90 percent chance of making the playoffs and they're not in the playoffs right now so now i don't think i don't think your guy you know you're in you're in cleveland you're you're a pseudo guards guy i don't think your guy tito and i think it's more health stuff with him is yeah it? it's like the health stuff inside. like if 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 tito were healthy enough to stick around would would he oh yeah like you'd go for that Tito on the Cubs, baby. I think Buck Showalter is a good turnaround guy. I, I, I just too much stuff happened with that Mets, right? You know, like I just feel like they they had a lot of injuries uh, at the beginning of the season, and then uh, who's their owner? Uh, Cohen, I, th- I think is his name. I think he also didn't yeah. put them in some advantageous situations as well. I think it, a lot of it has to do with ownership and not just the head coach. Yep, I agree. I agree. But you're right. I, I I don't think David Ross is going anywhere. I did see the other day they were you know giving him the praise and patting him on the back and all that stuff. I'm not completely sold on him, but I'm also and I've brought this up with you before because the Cubs are, like most of baseball is analytically driven, but um I think the Cubs are a very analytically driven organization, and I don't know how much is actually. Ross calling the shots versus him just ba- basically being a uh, a middleman, you know. That's that's what I don't know. How how much is actually on David Ross? How much is on the guys above him who are just feeding him the information, the, you know, the stats and the analysis, analytics and stuff like that. I wanted to mention Tim Wakefield, the former Pirates and Red Sox knuckleballer. Before we uh, wrap things up, he unfortunately is. is People have probably heard passed from from brain cancer uh, over the weekend. And when I think of Tim Wakefield, I think beyond the knuckleball, and you've seen a lot of people, like if you paid attention to social media and some other stuff these last few days, throwing praise at him. Like you talk about the ultimate team guy, the 2004 ALCS when the Red Sox were in the midst of falling behind 3-0. Didn't he pitch on short rest? Well, no, he didn't. He didn't pitch on, on, on short rate. He was he was supposed to start game four. But Tim Wakefield, with his team with the Red Sox getting obliterated in game three, gave up his start in game four and said, you know, and told Tito, Terry Francona, he got the last nine outs of game three when the Red Sox were getting blown out to save the bullpen to give the team the chance to come back in game four. And like that to me is the epitome of what a team guy Tim Wakefield was. And like, you've seen, you know, so many good things said about it. And I think he got overlooked as, you know, again, a guy with a knuckleball kind of a gimmicky thing. The guy was drafted as a first baseman. And when things didn't pan out for him as a first baseman, he developed, worked on this knuckleball that his dad taught him and he turned it into a long big league career. And obviously 
helped the Red Sox win a, a couple of World Series. So uh, very, very sad, and especially just the way things transpired. You know, these the, the the last few days with with Schilling, you know, making it public when when Wakefield didn't want it public, but um, very very sad. And 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 again, like rest in peace, Tim Wakefield, ultimate team guy, I think. Yeah, you. I mean, you started to kind of get into to Tim Wakefield. Like we're we're talking about a guy um, who made a living on, you know, kind of the three force action, you know, not completely sidearm, not completely over the top. He was about, you know, three force. Um, and, and he, he just, he just threw that knuckleball consistently. Right. Like, and that, and that knuckleball was only coming in at like 60, maybe 70 miles per hour. Right. His fastball was probably, you know, around 75 and a curveball again, that was around 60. He is not your protocol prototypical pitcher. Um, and largely was overshadowed on those Red Sox teams because there was Pedro Martinez, there was Kurt Schilling in the rotation. Like he wasn't the star premier pitcher, but like you said, he was the ultimate team player. He did things knowing, you know, what was going to give his team the best chance and not getting caught up in, you know, what was personally best for him. He knew his skill set. He knew he wasn't a dominant pitcher, but he knew what his role was and how he could help the team at the end of the day. And he ended up being a World Series champion um, and really just a, a great person overall as well. You know, you, you never heard bad things about talking, you know, when talking about Wakefield and hearing how, you know, the impact that he had on his, his teammates and how highly his teammates spoke of him. It's just really sad to see a guy go like that just so young, right? Like he's only in his – he was only 57. in his 50s. 57, yep. And as Michael said, was was Wakefield the pitcher that allowed the walk-off to Aaron Boone? It was the year before, 2003 ALCS, that he did uh, he did give that up. But again, a year later, he was uh, played a pivotal part, maybe maybe indirectly in helping the White or uh, the Red Sox mount that comeback, the uh, the only 3-0 comeback, you know, down three games to none comeback in postseason history. And uh, so again, rest in peace to Tim Wakefield. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. We we, uh, we went pretty long, almost an hour and a half that we went tonight. A lot of good stuff that we had though tonight. Uh, I teased this yesterday. I'm going to tease it again. Special co-host coming up with me tomorrow for the mailbag show. I think everybody's going to like it. So be here. You won't be here. Vince won't be here. But the special co-host will be here. So I think everyone's going to be excited. I don't even know who the co-host is. I might have to tune in from my airplane and, and see what we got going on. <laughs> you do that and you will see the special co-host right here with me answering questions on the mailbag show. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it is not Rick Patino. There will be no Rick Patino uh, here tomorrow. Kalen, it could be you. We will see. Hit the like button on your way out, and of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you tomorrow when the special co-host is here on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. <laughs>